Welcome to Companions of the Perception Check. I'm your host, Kevin, and today I'm joined by... Seth Colgrove. And Zachary. Ruffing. Welcome, guys. <laughs> um, so, today is episode 20. Uh, standard races in the multiverse. Um... I mean, let's face it, you can't really have a, a fantasy-type game without some stock races. Uh, humans, dwarves, elves, gnomes. Um, I mean, I suppose you could, but then that kind of limits limits the whole story you're telling. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it also helps set up different things like uh, culture and things so, so that you don't have to set that up from scratch. Yeah. I mean, the, each one has a, has a, are, are a little bit different, but yeah, they're generally some, some staples of, yeah, of them. Um, uh, like, I mean, it would be weird in D&D to have a setting where there are no elves. I don't even like elves all that much, but it would be weird if they had a setting where there weren't any. Wait, are you telling me that a uh, dungeon master doesn't like a race that, that, that can't hardly be charmed and is kind of chaotic? That's shocking to me. <laughs> <laughs> they can't be put to sleep either. Among other things. <laughs> <laughs> They're resistant to charm. They can't be put to sleep by yeah. magic. That's what poison's for. <laughs> the long sleep. Seriously, I uh, seriously um uh, uh in in my most recent game in a, in my other group the the forgotten roles um an elf could fly because he's uh, draconic ancestry so he has wings, but um. But a Shadarkai teleported into the air, restrained his owl with chains so it started falling towards the earth. Then another elf uh, shot him with a, uh, with a crossbow bolt that was poisoned with a knockout poison. So if, he, um, so if he hadn't saved against the poison, he would have... His owl would have fallen. He would have passed out and fallen sixty feet to the ground. <laughs> so you know, just normal shenanigans. <laughs> uh, but uh, but on the on the plus side, because the way that poison works, when he hit the ground, he would have woken up again. <laughs> Wake up just long enough to die. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. The the. <laughs> Ow, that hurt. Oh, is that my blood? Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do think that having having staples uh, across different campaign settings do make it easier for everybody. But I do I do like that you can um, that while there there are some standards, those kind of those standards can be tweaked a little bit. Um, yeah. Am I misremembering? I think I think like the the dwarves in Dark Sun, they're not 
they're they're a bit taller, aren't they? Than standard dwarves. I think you're thinking of the elves. Like the elves in there, are like seven feet tall. They're... That may be it. Yeah, they usually don't have beards, though. Uh, yeah, dwarves usually don't have beards. Who who would want a beard in that world? Good gravy, it is. Well, depending on what kind of beard it was, because some types of hair actually protect you from heat. Maybe a beard of water that constantly reflows. New, uh, new dwarf-like creature to go along with the Galabdur and the Azers. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the... Well, there are many things that are they're the same. Um, each, each... I mean, each standard, or each published, uh setting has its own little tweaks on it and I know we've at least in, in our games put tweaks on on ours yeah um, the I know the the forgotten realms they've got the sun and moon moon elves and the wild elves as well yeah and some f that you know, some, some fun role-playing role-playing uh, options at the, at those points between based on the those individual sub subcultures. Yeah, they have those, and then uh, and then they also um, have turned the uh, mountain and hill dwarves into shield dwarves and gold dwarves, respectively, um, and changed their culture up a little. Um, and appearance as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know in in Ravnica the the dark elves are instead of having really dark ebony colored skin there and white hair, they're olive skin and black haired. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, sometimes it's green or like dark green or red, but yeah, it's, it's they generally you have more of a. Uh, have more of a, uh, they look more like the wood elves do in most other settings. Um, and, uh, speaking of Ravnica, the wood elves of that setting usually have green hair, um, like vibrant green hair. Mm -hmm. Um, and such, uh, and the uh, half-elves and elves that live in Valimar in, uh, in Eberron have more of a Middle Eastern look to them. And that culture is very high, and in, in the, the Eberron elves are very high in ancestor worship. They're... Yeah. Based on the limited research in Eberron, it seems like a lot of people are very high in Eberron. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, what's that? Uh, what's that stuff that uh, that they, that Dosk sells? Yeah, that that's, that's there's a big market for that apparently. And you you not you not only have the physical changes, but obviously, I mean, cultural changes between them. You know the. You can't just plop a plop the same. You can't plop the the culture of elves into Eberron and yeah, and it makes sense, right? Like you've got the different cultures, like uh, 
like I mean, you've got um, you've got the high elves. I don't remember what they exactly call themselves, but they um, they sort of follow the Undying Court, which is uh, the Undying. Honestly, are pretty much just anti liches, more or less. Um, um, and then you and then you've got you know. Each of the wood elves is trying to emulate some ancestor spirit warrior, um, mm -hmm. and they're a lot more martial and such. And then you have, um, and then you know just stuff along that line. And then you have Droem, where the monsters are very much like ordinary people, or Dargoon, a nation of goblins. That's Officially a political body in the world. Mm -hmm. I, I I like the I like the 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 differences in those um, mostly because they they take the usual trope of um, you know goblins are just for for lack of a better term uncivilized warmongers and while they still may be warmongers you know they're they they have a they now have an order. They're not just roving bands. Yeah. Um, and you could even throw in yeah. things where, you know, if you're doing a, a homebrew world where maybe they're not warmongers in the cr traditional sense, and maybe they're maybe they're um, schemy and and underhanded. Yeah. Uh, um. Although this isn't D&D, &D, just a, a way I've seen it done, like just as an example of what you could do um, in Final Fantasy XI, the MMO that's now defunct, the goblins in that game, uh, they were kind of a mix between, like the evil ones were more of mobsters, and then the non-evil ones were just like a super, super mercantile race. Well, I do like that, and I do... I know they they've um they they've made some changes in several of the uh, Eberron books I've read. Like the orcs and and half orcs are they're they're looked down upon mostly because they are considered unintelligent. And of course, the yeah usually the protagonist of that is he's not the you know he's not the smartest guy in the room, but he's you know he's not. Walking yeah. into walls, dumb. Um, yeah. And the... speaking of culture, also you have the interesting take that Eberron has on orcs in that setting. That I mean, the orcs are the demon wastes are generally what you think of when you think of orcs. But the shadow marches where most of like uh, most PC sh orcs, if you're going heroic, would come from, is more of a mm -hmm. neutralish shamanistic druidic society yeah if i if i recall that one was um they're they're in the the demon marsh to to hold back yeah the evil um yeah and the the reason they're so but what's what's the word i'm looking for antagonistic to outsiders as they they fear that and the outsiders will uh, disrupt yeah. disrupt the their uh, yeah. yeah and then you have protection. not only do you have uh, do you have 
changes in the cultures themselves, you sometimes have changes in cultural outlook from other people. Uh, as, as you've mentioned, there's the there's still a lot of negative stereotypes about orcs, but in Eberron, they're different. Um, mm -hmm. In Eberron, also, tieflings are uh, are not hit with the same stigma they are in most other settings, because uh, because their origin is different. They tend to come into being near areas of planar bleed or, or such, but they're not seen as likely to commit acts of evil from their nature alone. Yeah, but I also I also note that they were really shoehorned in in fourth edition. <laughs> um, yeah. Into Everod. I, I I had a good laugh at that one when when yeah. seeing that they were shoehorned they even in. They quote that they even quote that thing you uh you told me about uh in the Everon book when they bring up tieflings. <laughs> as a as someone who has recently chosen foolishly to play both a tiefling and an orc. Um, not the simplest thing to make people believe you're a good guy, you know? Not at all. No. Um, but... And uh, even though it's spider-like, uh, it, it's uh, probably a lot harder when you're mute and have eight limbs and have become Dr. Orctopus. <laughs> well... <laughs> in, in, <laughs> I, uh, in fairness... <laughs> that is n my new mechanical name, especially since I can't speak. <laughs> People can call me whatever they like. Uh, but um, Dr. Orctopus has yet to actually meet anyone outside of the group, so I feel like that'll be a fun experience. Yeah. That... <laughs> I mean, the so the the uh, the cultures are, are, I guess, malleable enough, especially doing homebrew campaigns, but you know, cosmetic differences for the most part are are the uh, are about the same. I mean, with, with yeah. you know, within some general reason, you you can say the the dwarves of your world all sport mohawks because they feel it brings them it it cleans the tunnels as they go, and keeping your tunnels clean is what what they have been commanded to do. And, and when one of them I, dies, they can just be used as a broom. That's right. And over here in the corner is the broom of our great-grandfather. Well, actually, what they do with that is uh, is they, uh, they, they cremate, but not until someone else has died. They cremate someone and then sweep up their ashes with the, with the most recent... They, they cremate the second most recent death. And then clean That's it up with the mohawk of the most recent death. <laughs> that might just make it into canon. Oh. Because I don't think you guys have run into run into uh to to uh to dwarves yet, so I think I think we can throw that in there. <laughs> um Um, but there's, you know, the, the architecture and the, the stylistic view of the, of the different races there, those could be 
pretty much adapted to to where you're at. Um, yeah. As I've said, the Valimar elves kind of have a Middle Eastern feel to it, and so does their clothing and their architecture and such. <clears throat> and then in a in Ravnica, you kind of have the structures that the uh, that the High Elves use, but the High Elves tend to be tied to the Simic Combine, so they're more mm -hmm. meant to sort of incorporate one both natural and artificial structures and also both land and water because they tend to be built around or in bodies of water. Mm -hmm. Well like um I don't know, it's it's just me. I like I like taking some of the some of the, the tropes um on the races and just turning them on their head. Um yeah. Which is really hard to do with humans, because generally humans run the gambit. You know, you yeah. Generally, the you, if you look at at elves, they're kind of extremes. Very few neutral. They're either on the good side with with your your high elves or or wood elves, and the down the the evil side with your drow. Um, of yeah, you always have. A couple of exceptions that might um, stay out, but humans they occupy all all nine squares. Yeah, um, they sweep the board, so there's really, really very little we could you could do to turn turn any of the human tropes on their head. Yeah. at least on a the only at least thing on a could, cultural level. You the only thing probably you really could do is. Um, you could I you normally it's assumed that humans are the most common race in the current age of the homebrew world you make. Mm -hmm. One thing you could do is make humans exceptionally rare. Yeah, that's so hard to do though because every sci-fi entity, be it space, Middle Earth, whatever you want, humans just mate with everything they find and become prevalent. <laughs> I don't think that's. Uh, I, I don't think that's just in fiction. I think if we find extraterrestrial <laughs> life, it's only going to be a matter of time. I think I mean, in that matter will be seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could see a world where in the present age, non-human non hybrids are rare because everybody else has just gone out and it's made perhaps now Half elves are the most prevalent. Yeah, though that that might be a, that might be an interesting one-off to do. I may have to write that. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I, I think I think no matter how how your your um, races cultures and appearance differ, I think there there are some mechanics you probably should stick to or at least be able to justify within world yeah and if you're going to if you're going to change that up at least make it make sense narratively yeah like um, whatever you do with wood elves you kind of still have to justify their um their for example ability to hide in wild settings 
um, they have an ability to be, even if it's only lightly obscuring terrain, um, they have the ability to hide under, you know, behind, like, plants or snow or rain or... Which I'd known that, wow. I'll have to start incorporating uh, weather mechanisms into into it to see who, who can hide and who can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, every, uh, everyone's doing fine until the Dwergar gets caught in a snowstorm. <laughs> One, snow reflects a lot, so he's probably still blind from, from being in as bright as sunlight. And two, he's dark gray. <laughs> and they tend to wear dark gray. But again, he can turn invisible, so. The Gwer Dwergar from Soviet Russia, I presume? What? The Gwer Dwergar from Soviet Russia, I presume? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want me to play my next... If I play a Dwergar next, you don't want me to do another Russian accent. I think we can agree on that one. <laughs> um... Well, there's yeah, there's a few things though you want to uh, you want to keep um, in mind. Again, you want to you want to keep things the same. Just just a few examples, like although the um, although the so-called drow or the Devkari elves from Ravnica are look different, they still kind of have the uh, they live in underground. They live underground. Um, they they still have kind of a creepy and unpleasant disposition. They, um, and you still kind of have that weird thing that their cities are often beautiful, but still kind of messed up in their cases because they live in like mold and garbage and such. <laughs> um, so all, they're, they're all just single men. Like it's a whole city of them. Yeah, but the, it was beautiful on the outside. You forget. Uh. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful till you really the, think about what it's made of. It okay. So 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 they they pay an H. So they so it's single guys paying an HOA to make sure the streets clean. <laughs> and, yeah. and 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 the you know all together. Yeah, but I mean, like, and because of their just sort of ties and such, you, you can justify all the drow powers with them. Um, and even a lot of the drow culture that they still resemble distantly, but enough that you would say, yeah, these are drow. Or because the Simic Combine is so so entrenched in the sciences, high elves fit well for them because high elves have an intelligence bonus and they get a free cantrip no matter what class they're part of. So you have that and then uh, even the goblins. The goblins aren't even the same alignment in Ravnica as they usually are. They're usually, um, I mean, goblins tend to be neutral evil, sometimes neutral, in rare instances, neutral good. In Ravnica, they're usually chaotic. They're chaotic something. But kind of goblins have a distant, uh, sort of a half-and-half half tie to comic relief. And they kind of have, like, the sort of malevolent little prankster um, vibe to them. And 
Ravnican goblins still do. I mean, the, I mean, the Ravnik and Goblin culture for naming is just they pick sounds that they think are fun to say. <laughs> I think uh, Zizix has found her next, her next set of things to to try and do. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I was not aware until just now that apparently I'm a Ravnik a Goblin. I feel like most people meet me and they think, well, he's chaotic something. <laughs> That that could that could be another new alignment. There's chaotic mean, and there's chaotic something, which which is chaotic something is sort of like sort of like the southern meaning of he's a character. <laughs> yeah, you, you just do something chaotic. It may be good, maybe evil, maybe neutral. You just don't know until it's over. <laughs> instead of how about how about instead of chaotic something, it's pure chaotic. No, because that's what they used to call chaotic neutral. Ah. Uh, sure, like they used to call neutral good, pure good. I feel like pure and neutral don't mean the same thing. It's a very confusing concept. That's why they dropped it. <laughs> so good call, then. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think, I think we've covered it. Alrighty, well... Uh, thank you guys for joining us, and we'll uh, see you guys next time. I'd like to thank all of our guests, as well as Ethan Murray for being generous.